Welcome to another edition of the Edmonton Eskimos podcast. My name is Mark Mejo. We thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing. If you like the podcast, tell a friend. We've been doing this all season long. A couple more for you to wrap up the 2019 schedule. As always, we're coming to you from the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. And today, for the first time on the Double E podcast, we're going to be joined by a play-by-play voice from an opposing team. We've had some national play-by-play voices on, but for the first time, we're going to be joined by Derek Taylor. And before you turn it off, He's the voice of the Riders, but he's also the host of Sports Cage in Regina. You may know Derek from his time on Sports Center on TSN for about five years. This is his first year doing play-by-play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This man loves stats. He loves to deep dive into what your favorite teams are doing on first, second, and third down, what your favorite player is doing. This man has an encyclopedia brain when it comes to stats we've been looking forward to having Derek on the podcast all season long and just because of the schedule Saskatchewan didn't come to Edmonton till late October but finally we had a conversation with the man Derek Taylor and it starts off someone in Saskatchewan might be trying to steal his job we'll let Derek tell the story first but here's my conversation with Derek Taylor voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders well Derek welcome to the Eskimo podcast how are you man I am doing very well thank you for having me no thanks for joining us this is the first of I guess opposing team play-by-play person we've had on the show before. Are so. we supposed to rumble or arm wrestle or anything? That's, that comes after. That comes at okay. the 15-minute mark. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Give for, me time. First question for you is, how can you do your job with Drew Dalby breathing down your neck trying to take your job? <laughs> that is so... He's so good, <laughs> he, he, right? He's a friend of mine. That's why I feel I can bring that up. Well, and, and you know, the guy the guy wants my job. Yes, for, folks, for folks who don't know, you have to check out his videos. They're DSPN. Yes. He's on Twitter, at Dalby. He does little jokey videos videos where he just takes a play and he does his own play-by-play for it. Not, the first one I saw is hilarious. Yeah. And I knew Drew a little bit just from working in the same building. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this is one, I fully <laughs> endorse this, although I want to keep my job. <laughs> Two, this needs to be part of my daily radio show because, man, this is... He is a funny dude, and yes. that needs to be encouraged. So he doesn't have my job yet through 16 games. So fingers crossed I can hold on for the playoffs. As we're recording this right now, it's just before week 20. Does it feel like week 20? I bet you this season's just flown by for you. Yeah, it's it's at the point where a couple weeks ago it kind of became sad that all I've when, since I was young I wanted to call live sports and live football. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, there's only four games left plus the playoffs. So I sit here right now thinking there might be – you is three games left this season that is it's it's a little sad because it's so much fun being around the guys and watching the game unfold and I bet you your first season there's a lot of like your prof- you know what you're doing night game nights but there's a lot of you're still hosting a full-time radio show man like I bet you have you taken a day off since April yeah actually that's one thing I've been really blessed with okay. is that uh, our program director Abby and my boss Jason have been hey on bye week you need to take okay. you do the Monday show but you need to take some time off I have two days off next week because okay. my boss is like we're making you take two <laughs> days off that said when I came to I was excited to come to Edmonton because I don't have as many responsibilities today for example so I slept 11 hours last oh, night wow. I like I have taken advantage <laughs> of this seven pillow situation <laughs> at the Westin and I am going to just drink in all the sleep I can because it is it is very busy yeah. there's there's the games there's the radio show I don't know if people understand how much there is into preparing for the game itself. And then there's trying to keep up with all my stats work on the side. 
My wife doesn't see me a lot. I was going to say, you're a very busy guy. The stats are one thing I definitely want to get into, prepping for a game, prepping for a radio or something. Yeah. I definitely want to get into. But it's your first full season doing play-by-play in the Canadian Football League. And the analogy I want to use is uh, Norm Macdonald on Weekend Update Saturday Night Live was yeah. a very popular Weekend Update host. He got replaced by Colin Quinn. You were replacing a very popular person in Saskatchewan. Yeah. How has that been for you? It's been good. There, What you learn through broadcasting, and I've been, do, been broadcasting in various levels and various media for so long, some people just won't like you, yeah. regardless of what you do or try to do or how well you think you're doing your job. Some people won't like you. And there have been a few of those, and that's 100% fine. One person actually tweeted me early on and said, you're the first guy my mom brought home after my dad left. I, I can't love you right now, but maybe I'll grow to love you in the future. And you think, it's a okay, start. Yeah. It's, th- that's a start. There's yeah. something. People don't know me, and they know what they were used to. They mm-hmm. were used to Rod for so long, and you learn to love that because you, if you were like me when I was a kid, you went to sleep listening to them call games. Mm-hmm. Mine was Peter Marr in Calgary doing Flames games, some of Okotoks. You just you, you know what you were before, and it's not the same, mm-hmm. but hopefully you see value in it, and the people see value in what I do and enjoy how I do it because I have a very different take on it from Rod, and if it's not their cup of tea, that's... That's fine. I'll I'll listen and I'll I'm I'm going to get better because this is year one of hopefully thirty. So there's plenty more to come. Before you joined the Riders and uh, Sports Cage, you were an anchor on Sports Center, so a lot of our listeners kind of got to know you. And you're really big on stats and uh, details. So first, let's just start. <laughs> what time did you? When did you get to Sports Center? And how did the stats and the details kind of take off from there? So I got to Sports Center in November of 2014. I was working in Winnipeg at the time, doing a morning show on Global, and I I'd, I'd reached out. Long story short, I got the job. They said, we need you here in two weeks or else it's going to implode. We really need you in two weeks. So I did the morning show on Friday, November 13th on Global. And then I did 10 p.m. Sports Center with Blake Price oh, on wow. Saturday the 14th. There was no time in the middle yeah. to get used to how things are going. So, yeah, I was there for about five years. And then quite quickly, I got put onto the weekend, Saturday, where you do... Uh, I guess uh, Mountain Time, it's 8 and midnight. And those are those are two important shows on the weekend. So you do Saturday and Sunday. And because of that, you would get three days off during the week. And it was just me. I was living in an apartment 15 minutes north of the station in Toronto. And my wife hadn't moved from Winnipeg yet. So it's me in a lonely apartment with a futon and a, and a $30 Ikea chair, which was really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm, it's dark. I'm like, ugh. I need something to do with my time. And I kind of, you know, towed the waters a little before, but I thought for the 2015 season, I wonder if I could chart every single play that happens in the CFL. And then I realized, oh my goodness, that actually is quite a bit of work because not only are you watching four games a week, you're spending five at that time, five hours on each of those games. And now I have four times as many, much data as I was working with back then. But it was a lot to do. And I thought, well, if there's this, CFL is very important to TSN. I wonder if I could use this to provide some value because I love numbers. I'm bad with spatial relationships. So if you ask me to draw up how you handle Philip Lolly's hammer blitz from the boundary side, I have no idea. But I can tell you that blitz comes 70 plus percent of the time on second and medium. So I can give you that part. So I thought, well, this is a way that maybe I could add to the CFL conversation. And... 
I did about half a season of it. I went to my boss, said, I have this data. I think we can use it to tell stories. It's like, give me an example of a story. I gave him one. Okay. Turned it into a thing. And then a producer uh, came to me in between the fifth, gosh, 15 and 16 season and said, we need to do a segment with this. I said, yes, Jason, I'm absolutely up for that. Hooked us up with a producer who said, you know what? We should make it a cartoon and I want to do it in this graph paper style. I thought this is fantastic because I knew how players would react to yeah. seeing themselves as cartoons <laughs> and they loved it. And honestly, it was, it was the cartoon aspect and the cute little music in the background that really took it off. So all props to Poria Pishva for making that a reality. And yeah, it blossomed into, in no small part, that's why I have this job, right? And because of the notoriety, at least within the league, that, uh, that I gained from doing that segment. And that's also a good uh, piece of advice for, you know, young broadcasters who are just trying to be more useful in a building. When you're new, you're fresh, you're trying to do anything yeah. to keep your foot in that door. And you basically created a job for yourself. Uh, yeah, and, and in the end, created kind of a standing for myself where I could have legitimate arguments with Hall of Famer Milt Stiegel about, hey, who's the best left guard in the league? Well, we could talk about that. And Milt can obviously add layers and layers and layers on top of it, but I can tell you how it's different, how the at that time the Red Blacks used Greg Ellingson versus every other field side slot back, and I could at least add something to it and get a better foundation for myself of how to do it. But your point about useful, Find out what's important to the company you work for or want to work for and give them some extra value in that. All that was kind of my own time, right? It wasn't, nobody asked me to do it. I don't know if anybody expected someone could do it, but I really wanted to do it. I was passionate about it. My company loved it and yeah, it worked out really well. I have more on the stats I want to get into, but quickly as a kid from Okotoks, did you have to pinch yourself? Like, holy smokes, I'm, ho I'm hosting SportsCenter. <laughs> like that's, or Sports Desk, as some people remember it back in the day. Yeah. That's a pretty cool benchmark for a Canadian kid, isn't it? I was I was a writer when it was Sports Desk oh, back wow. in the day. Oh yeah, when, when it was Darren Detition and Mike Toth oh, way wow. back when. Guys I'd seen mm -hmm. on ITV and then uh, whatever 2 and 7 is, it was uh, back in Calgary. Yeah, it, it really... I'm not a big stop and smell the roses guy, but every once in a while, uh, one of my best friends from high school would text me like, oh, Sports Center's on at the bar. I had to snap a picture of you. And you're like, that is actually kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it really is. It, you just, you kind of lose it being in it. You mm -hmm. lose how really, really awesome it is. And now being on the outside of it, having left, I look back and go, man, that was, some of those days were long when you'd be on the air following NFL football from 11, 15 p.m. till 2:30 a.m. Those are long, long days, nights, man, yeah. but it was it was so much fun calling highlights and figuring out how you can get slightly dirty phrases into your highlights was great. Uh, you mentioned the stats thing really started to take off for you. Is there a one player that was the first person to reach out, or a GM or a coach where you kind of thought to yourself, "Oh, it's ac it's actually working." Oh gosh, there have actually been a few, and I don't I don't like to tell people uh, I was talking to Greg Ellingson today and he said it in a live interview so I, I don't I feel okay say that Greg actually reached out to me early on okay. and said do you have some stuff on me I'm like absolutely I do here you go I I mean I can't tell Greg Ellingson how to be a better receiver but among guys we kind of take receivers and go well here they are one to 50 and I wanted to go okay well let's Greg runs number two to the field. Well, let's look at guys who run number two to the field. And then a certain subset of those guys are used differently than Ellingson would be. So I could say, okay, well, here's four guys that are used similarly to you. And here's how you stack up in all these categories to them. So yeah, Greg's been good. There, there've been a lot of guys 
offensive linemen. I'm big on kickers and punters yeah. for whatever reason <laughs> yeah. uh, that have been really good with sharing their knowledge with me because there's there is really a lot, right? I could tell you. Uh, how good Sean White is kicking the football, but I can't tell Sean White how to kick the football. I can tell you Hugh O'Neill does this when he's punting in opponent territory, but Hugh is going to know a million times better uh, how to do that. Sure. There's, there's no realm in which I'm going to explain to them how to do their job, right? But I can tell you that when it comes to being in, you know, across midfield, okay, this is the stuff that your coach is using to determine if your punter is going to be punting or it's Sean White from 52 for the win. Are we there yet in regards to football advanced stats? I know a lot's been done about hockey. Baseball, I think, is probably the crown jewel for info. But are we there yet with football? Is there still a lot of traction? We need to maybe get caught up with some of those other sports. We're certainly not in the CFL. In the NFL, I honestly think we are because I was watching just a terrible football game yesterday in the Vikings and, and, and Redskins. But... They went for it on fourth down so much in that game. And that's something the analytics community in the NFL has been on hard for years. Go for it on fourth down. And one bit Vikings coach Mike Zimmer in the butt. Uh, but you still have to go for it on fourth down. So you really see that stuff taking a foothold. When I watch Calgary go for it, uh, go for two after, I think it was every touchdown last week, I went, Okay, they're 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 on to it. They're on to some stuff. I don't think we are nearly there in the CFL, but there's just not enough people with the requisite expertise and want to that are dedicating their time to it. You can go to Pro Football Focus PFF yeah, that's in a good one. It, yeah, and you know, I mean, for folks who don't know what they do, they sell their data to all 32 teams and they would on every play evaluate and watch every player on every play in every game. So, they can grade every player out. And then you could take that to a team. I was listening to their podcast a couple of years ago, and they talked about Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, that when the safeties gave him one look pre-snap and then switched to another look, his passer rating went in the toilet. But when they gave him the same look, and his passer rating was tremendous. And you go, oh, my gosh, how powerful is that to open the game to people at different levels? Sure. And I would, that would be kind of my dream but then you realize how much you have to know about the game and how many former coaches and GMs you'd have to get involved into stuff like that. It would be great because, I mean, ultimately this, this was kind of about me knowing more about football, uh, which is a game I played very poorly when I was a kid. <laughs> and, and I'm not great with how it all flat curl, how that works out and where a zone defender should drop to. And ah, my head wants to explode. But to be able to open that up to fans who can grasp onto stuff like that would be even more powerful. And I think the CFL has a, has a long, basically not that they have a long way to go, but they have a lot that they could do. Yeah. But to, I don't know that you can expect the league to do it because I don't, coaches don't want, I'm not sure when I talked to coach Lolly today, he wants me to tell everybody that he blitzes more than everybody in the, uh, in the CFL. But I counted it, so I'm going to tell everybody about it because I think it's really neat and it helps us compare one to the other. So I don't know if it, it's got to be somebody independent. So someone like me, but knows a lot more on the math side and somebody who knows a lot more on the football side as well. When you got this job in Saskatchewan, I imagine you got a ton of congratulations, text, tweets, and all that stuff. But Brent there, Butt said, No way, really? Brent Butt on Twitter, like, approved, no which for me, that was fantastic. That's, that's, well, that's guy's a genius. King of Saskatchewan right there. But were there people that were saying, We're going to miss the work you do on Sports Center? for us that was more maybe to the public 
Oh, there was some of that yeah, for sure. As producer Trent raises his hand <laughs> here, he was one that definitely missed that. Yeah, that, I mean that's a, that's an incredible platform to which to work from, right? Because when people say, "Oh, TSN," like that comes with Absolutely. decades of history, and you know the quality of work that's going to put out, and you know the people that are behind that, and to then be able to take that and take that, and at the time turn to Jock Climbing and you know get his take on it. You're like, "Wow, this is," I yeah, it's. Yeah, it's it absolutely. It was a, it was a huge deal, and that's where a lot of the guys. When I talked to Ellingson, he didn't know who I was in the beginning. He said to me, "I asked him about how he, for three years in a row now, has drawn more pass interference calls than anybody in the CFL." And he said, "Yeah, I was talking to Derek Taylor about that." And I went, "That's me. That's me." <laughs> and I said, "Oh yeah, I've never seen your face." I'm like, "Right, you know me as a cartoon. <laughs> that's right." So yeah, Calvin McCarty, the Grey Cup last yeah. year, gave, came over, gave me a giant handshake. Awesome. I'd never met Calvin or written a piece about him. But he was just happy that someone has a different way to show that players, you know, how players are great or to illustrate that. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see that that players appreciate saying great things about them. Take us through a game day. Uh, we're taping this a day before the riders take on Edmonton. But what's typical game day for you? Do you have all your prep done the night before so you can just kind of focus? Or are you last minute filling out charts? So I have all my charts set up in uh, Microsoft Word because I don't want to actually go through and type out, you know, height, weight, school, seventh year, and he's 29 years old every time. So I had to, actually had to do one on Tuesday for this game because it's the first, first time, time the riders are playing. Which is a little odd, by the way, isn't it? it? Really, that it's getting it, close to November. It really is. Yeah. So then uh, you, you type out, you know, all 46 guys. One will be the scratch, and you plop them down on this, what will be a legal-size file folder and, and legal-size paper that I'll tape together. And then I'll go back when all my numbers are finished and plop them in. And so for the riders, for example, Cody Fajardo, I have his running stats because he's such a proficient runner. Uh, he, I have his running stats broken down by total uh, designed and quarterback scrambles because in the red zone, he's got eight designed run touchdowns, which is by far more than anybody else in the league. His passing numbers by you know, behind the line of scrimmage, zero to 10, 10 to 20 deep balls, receiver stats, last game in this game. So that stuff I'll plop in tonight. Okay. Um, I'm going to actually have some family in the area. I'm going to visit for the first time in a couple of years. Awesome. So when I get back, I'll plop that all in on my chart tonight and just, I'll kind of dig through cause I have reams and reams of data. Right. Imagine, yes. So I'll, I'll go through and pick out stuff. That's, that's interesting. When it comes to like the Eskimos, you go, man, Philip Lolly blitzes 73% of the time on second and medium. Can that be right? And you dig back into the numbers and go, yep. So in, <laughs> in goes 73% and just, which then gives me a platform to talk when it, obviously it's going to come up in the game. For sure. I can talk to Luke Mullender, my color guy, and he can explain the values of it. And we can run clips from uh, Cody Fajardo today about what he's, he has to do to counteract that. So I'll, I'll plop that all into my sheet. I'll prepare, I have an hour of the pregame show. So I'll clip up all the audio that we'll use. We'll use a little bit from Coach Dickinson talking about the challenge that Edmonton presents, Cody about what it's like facing this blitz-heavy defense. Charleston Hughes hasn't had a sack in three games, but he's got 15. What's different for him? Dan Clark, the center, had a really interesting clip about this defense and what Coach Lolly does. And then try to fill in an hour of the pregame show that way, clip up all the audio, send it out to all the people who will need it. And then just basically kind of dig back more into the numbers and, and it'll send me to the games that happened. Uh, 
oh, I want to see what Devaris Daniels has been up to. He has an interesting matchup as he runs most from that boundary wide receiver spot with Nick Marshall, who after game two has been rock solid on that corner. Well, let's see what Devaris does. Okay, well, let's take a look at this. And it'll send me into that for as many hours as I can squeeze in before I inevitably have to go to bed and then get up to come to the stadium tomorrow. So there, like for me, there's no end to how much I could prepare. Yeah. But there's an end to how much my brain is going to hold sure. in and be able to profitably get out during the game, right? Because people are interested, but only so nobody's as interested in numbers as I am. Yeah. And you have I have to temper that because I could just make them vomit on numbers. Well, that's the thing, you don't want to spray them with a fire hose of just those types of numbers. I imagine your yeah. preparation for your radio show is also different. You do three or four hours. Uh, two and a, two and a half hours, and five half, days okay. a week. Yeah, that's the sweet spot. Three hours is a little. I used, I've had to host a four hour radio show before. Those are long. Yeah, four hours right around the three and a half hour mark. You're starting to <laughs> kind of go on fumes. But is it the yeah. same level of preparation before you do your two and a half? It it tries to be. Uh, there's just when you go to cover rider practice for two two and a half hours in ahead of. You know, you get back an hour and a half before the show, and then you do the show for two and a half hours. You go, ugh, okay, I need to be, I need to be present in this time that yes. I'm at the riders' practice, right? Because you want to see, oh, is Ed Gainey back from his injury? Oh, they're using Zach Evans differently. Oh, there's a new guy in at left tackle. Oh, they're working with Cody on staying in the pocket here. That's cool because all that stuff may become incredibly valuable course, that yeah. you have to be present as opposed to trying to book this interview and make sure that this goes and research this topic to ask Peter Labardius about the Calgary Flames. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> there's there's so much. So you know you're going to miss some. And I know right now there are sports I am not caught up on yeah. because everything right now for, for us and for the people who listen is about the riders and the CFL. So you kind of – it sucks to say because it, it, you don't want to excuse it, but you go, okay – I'm, I'm not going to be able to add a ton to this conversation I'm going to have with Craig Button on hockey, but here's four good topics I think we're going to talk about, and then I'll, fingers crossed, yeah. something interesting will come up and I can ask him about that because it has to be so much uh, sure. about football right now because the broadcast is number one, the show is number two, and then everything else kind of squeezes in behind it. Is Commonwealth Stadium the last stadium you've to, to broadcast in? You mentioned you were here for Grey Cup last year, but is this your last broadcasting checklist in the CFL? Yeah, so I was okay. I was down here in the corner doing the uh, the Grey Cup Day pregame show last year with Kate Burness. But yeah, this will be the first time. I don't know what the booth looks like. Okay, I don't know nice. what shoulder room looks like. Hopefully it's more in Tor than in Toronto where Luke and I could barely stand side by side. I assume it's not going to be as lush as the one in Saskatchewan where – like they have people waving palm fronds <laughs> at us and feeding us grapes, which I think is tremendous during a broadcast, keeps your energy up. Yeah, this is the last one. So yeah, I, I'd been to, gosh, I'd seen a game in maybe four stadiums okay. before this. So now all nine and that's really, I hadn't thought of that, but that's yeah. actually, yeah, this is cool. You, you've, uh, in, so in the course of this interview, you've mentioned your wife a handful of times. She seems like an absolute rock star. You've been moving around the last few years. Is she with you in Saskatchewan now? Yes, thank goodness. Awesome. So for when I went to TSN, it was a real battle, of, and battle's the wrong word. It's a, it was a real thing of, am I going to take this job at TSN, this job that I wanted when I was 14 and thought I would have when I was 25? It came around when I was 40. Am I ever going to get offered this job again? And the answer to that is obviously hell no, because God knows why they wanted me the first time. So I was happy to take it. I, I, we did that knowing she wasn't a fan of Toronto at all. Okay. Hated the thought of living in Toronto. So for the first year and a month, 
she lived in Winnipeg as we tried to transition to Toronto, came to Toronto. It was about eight months and did not enjoy life in Toronto. Totally understandable. And she had an opportunity to come up in Saskatoon to do anchoring news, which oh, awesome. she had never done before. And she said, can, can I really take this? I'm like, how can you not take this? One, in my mind, I'm like, one, you were gracious enough to let me have this opportunity to live my dream job. I'm certainly not going to hold you back from that. But two, knowing that you want to be on TV, you can add more to your skill set. Absolutely take this. Because the thought of living apart and both us doing these jobs was better than, than living together and she hates her life. Of course, yeah. Which when, I've told this story before, but I was getting ready for work on a Friday and she came home and I was in the tub and she sat down in the toilet and said, I literally cried on the way home from work every day this week. And as a husband, you're like, oh, that is about as bad as it gets. Yeah. And you, you, so everything is up from there, right? Living apart, commuting Toronto to Saskatoon is up from there. So when, when this job, when we heard this job was available, the job doing the riders play by play, I thought it's never going to come around in my working lifetime. Again, the person who takes it is going to have it for decades. So this is the last chance that this job comes available. To me, most coveted job in, in local CFL. I'm like, do we have to go for this? You, she lived in Saskatoon. She loves Saskatchewan. She's been loving it. It's, her parents still live just outside of Winnipeg. It's close enough to take a day trip to visit them. Okay, an overnight trip to visit them. It's still six hours the way I drive. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, we thought, yeah this, this is the time. It's hard. It's hard to leave your dream job. I don't know if you've had to leave your dream job yet in your life. Close, yeah. It's hard yeah. to leave your dream job and so many great people. But you come to, when I was 25 and moving across the country to take the next job for $20,000 a year because I wanted to be in broadcasting, that's easy. You're like, yeah, this is, I've really enjoyed dating you, but I've got to go. Yeah. But when you get to be in your 40s and you go, man, there's so much else that is important. I want to do a job I love, but here's an opportunity to do to live in the same place with my wife, who's my best friend in the whole world. This it wasn't an easy decision, but it wasn't uh, on its. When you think of it all, it wasn't the hardest decision I've ever had to make, either. So yeah, both of us living and working in Regina. She's breaking stories at CBC in Regina awesome. now. It's. She's she's in a really, really good spot with her career. And, you know, we go forward as a team, right? It's not all about me and she's going to follow me everywhere or her and I'm going to follow her everywhere. This was the, this was a tremendous move for us as a team. And hopefully we're here for hopefully we found the place we'll stop and, you know, is our last uh, working stop before we retire in Hawaii. Fingers <laughs> crossed. But yeah, everything has been. Regina has been great, I think, for both of us. And, awesome. and being back together is the best. I didn't realize she was a broadcaster. I just thought she was a, a super supportive wife. So uh, <laughs> yeah. well, you can you can imagine, right? Because sure. when I think of my, like my broadcasting career was uh, started in a small town, Alberta, went to Toronto for school, worked at TSN as a writer, went to a small radio station in Canmore, Alberta, TV station in Kamloops, BC, and a TV station in Winnipeg. And you go, that's a lot of places. Laid off from that one, works at another TV station to another TV station doing a soccer show in Canada that went throughout North America. 
Why is it in Winnipeg? Is a question I had to answer 50 times in my career there. Uh, and then from there to a, the same the same company, but now a morning show. And then from there to TSN. It, you go a lot of places. And I mean, to run two careers like yeah, that sure. is, is difficult. So that we had, that the opportunities converged like this. We always said, you know, we're, we're, we're taking this TSN opportunity. And she would, when she took the Saskatoon opportunity with you know, the belief that it's all going to work out in the end, that we'll both have jobs we like in the same city. And it actually did. (laughs) I don't know if I always believed it would, but it actually did. So super happy about that. I bet you with two broadcasters in the relationship, you get asked to emcee a lot of weddings and events between the (laughs) both of you. Hey, we, we do. Yes, (laughs) we do. She is so much better at that than I am. Um, I like, there's a reason I, you know, kind of made a name hacking data into a computer because i do i enjoy being alone in the room just screen, yeah. working on stuff as opposed to having to go out and talk to people <laughs> <laughs> that honestly that was part of this job i, I kind of wondered how it would go like you have to talk to guys every day a lot and the same guys right over and over and over sometimes yeah exactly so you i mean i'm sure i've asked charleston hughes now the same question five times this year but that's part of the, you try to change it up but you can always go at it a different way, but you're going to have to come back to the quarterback. I've never, I'm not the greatest question asker and I'm not the greatest at, at talking to people in situations like emceeing a wedding. Ugh, gives me a little bit of heebie jeebies. She's the hundred percent, the superstar awesome. in that. So I certainly do not mind uh, <laughs> stepping back out of the spotlight. When all the football is, when you've handled as much football as you possibly can for a day, how do you decompress? Are you a Netflix guy? Are you video games reading? Um, I should be more in reading, but it is Netflix. Yeah, that's the um, one. I end up with some sort of, if I need to kind of turn my brain off, I'm on some sort of loop of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, yesterday was Archer. Uh, yeah, something that I'll throw on. I, I have The Wolf of Wall Street on iTunes. That's okay. a great one to turn your mind off. Yeah, Netflix is, I'm a big TV guy as the way to, to stop thinking about things. I really need to do more reading, though. That, that's fallen I've ended up with a really interesting game on my iPad, which is... It's hard to beat those games, though, isn't it? It's free! Oh, yeah, my gosh! That's the thing. Oh, I'm on an airplane for two hours? Yeah, let's play exactly. this. Um, growing up in Canada, watching TSN, must be pretty cool to, you know, with these games like this. I don't know who's doing the game for TSN this week, but working with guys like Chris Cuthbert or seeing them in the booth, that's got to be a dream come true. Again, like your dream job. You get yeah. your, They're peers almost, right? You're, yeah, You're almost. still looking up to them, but it's... Oh, hello, broadcast colleague Brian Williams. You're here for Grey Cup kind of stuff. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, that and that's a weird feeling. And you, you, for me, I never kind of felt like I would be on Chris Cuthbert's level because I just refer to him as football Jesus, right? Like he's been doing big time. He's been doing the Grey Cup since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And you just think of these classic calls. I think of Rod Black doing the first ever Toronto Raptor game. Now they're in their 25th season. You go, wow. That if they considered me at their level, that is an incredible honor. There's no way I consider myself at their level because man alive. But uh, a guy like Dwayne Ford, who'll do the games with Rod, has been so very good to me and making me feel like I'm one of one of them, asking me mine on this and giving me his take on that. It's 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 weird it to is, think yeah. that you, that you are 
on some level at their level. I, I can't imagine I am, but we, we worked for the same company on the same sport, so I'll take it. We had Chris Cuthbert on this podcast last season. I think I called him Mr. Cuthbert about four times. And then after he said, hey, it's just Chris. And I said, nope, it's Mr. <laughs> Cuthbert. I will never call you Chris. I think that's, it was the same for Brian Williams. That's weird because he made me call him Mr. Cuthbert <laughs> around the office. That's super weird. Uh, Derek, this was a ton of fun. I know we have a lot of stuff to do. Welcome to Edmonton. Welcome to Commonwealth Stadium. Thanks for joining us. Next season when you roll through, we'll have to do this again. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the season, and thanks for joining us on the Eskimo Podcast. Thank you for having me.